Hello and welcome to another Perpetual Outsider podcast with me, John Bensalia. <clears throat> if it's your first time joining, hello and welcome. Um, if you if you are coming back for more, then um, you're mad. But never mind. Today we're looking at the goodies. Um, we're looking at an episode from 1977 called Punky Business. So without further ado, let's get this show on the road. That giant Dougal used to absolutely terrify me. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, it was one of those things um, when I was a little kid. Um, I used to be terrified of the Doctor Who music, and I used to be terrified of a giant Dougal. And for both, I would just go running out of a room screaming. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but uh, I don't I don't do that anymore. Promise, not as a forty-seven year old. So, punky business. This is probably one of my all-time favourites of the goodies. It, it's everything about it is just brilliant. I, I, I just you know love this episode a bit. So, what were the you know for people who have never seen it? What were the who or what were the goodies? Well, the goodies were a trio of uh, of three who were introducing themselves, B, G and T, Bill, Graham and Tim, who are now doing a terrible, cheesy, shiny shoes routine with very top-of-the-pops kind of Quantel effects there. <laughs> Look at his shoes! <laughs> shiny shoes. Yes, um, yeah, they, uh, Bill, Tim and Graham, Bill, Graham and Tim or whatever, I don't know. They... <laughs> Sorry, this is going to be uh, interspersed with laughter. Bill dressing up as a devil for some odd reason. Um, yes, um, right. If, if I can actually um, explain who they were. They were a trio who would do anything, anytime, anywhere. They would do these various odd jobs for uh, various clients. That's what it was in the beginning. They, you know, they would go out and um, they would help the police force. They would uh, be beef eaters at the Tower of London. They would come up with um, um, a snooze, uh, snooze potion or something, which uh, made the whole population of the country go to sleep. And in this one, um, for some reason, they are, they are musicians. They do quite a few musical episodes, actually. And the goodies... The goodies was big news in the 70s. I mean, it ran between 1970 and 1982, mostly on BBC. The final episode would be on ITV, um, after which it was promptly axed. And I've got a feeling by Michael Grade, of all people. Wouldn't you know it? But unfortunately, the goodies, it doesn't really get a particularly good press. And I've, I've never really understood why. I mean... It's it's got a very devoted following, but it doesn't have it doesn't really get the you know that many repeats you know, and it's only recently that uh, there was a complete Blu-ray box set that came out, which uh, which took you know which took ages for a complete set of goodies episodes to be released. Um, I think I think there's always been this kind of snobbery about the goodies. To be honest, I think you know there's uh, I think I think. <laughs> Sorry, just laughing at this. Um, yes, um, it, it, 
you know, there's always been this kind of snobbery against the goodies, I think, because I think some people kind of thought it was uh, a kid show. And I'm not really quite sure why, you know, it's, uh, I, I personally, you know, I mean, if, if we're going to do the whole goodies versus Monty Python rivalry, I prefer the goodies, probably because uh, my mental age is probably no more than five years old. But in the case of the goodies, I don't think that's a bad thing because it's quite, it's quite childlike in some ways, you know, they do very kind of, it's, it's kind of like a, an adult cartoon, you know, you've got kind of fast forward routines and, um, jokes and visual gags. Um, another great goodie song here on the road. On the road, on the road, we're playing on the road. We keep on getting those incredible cancers. <laughs> yes, uh, apologies for the musical interlude. Um, yeah, it's it's very kind of childlike, whereas Monty Python is a little bit more... It, don't get me wrong, uh, Monty Python it can be quite funny, but it's just a little bit more kind of public school humour, which um, in places, which I never really got, to be honest. I, I don't get public schools as a rule. Anyway, um, yeah, this, this uh, punky business is from the 1977 series. And it's it's a great episode. So it's probably the best of the season, I think. No, actually, this and Euthanasia, if you ever see Euthanasia, Euthanasia was a classic. One of the uh, kind of um, bottle episodes that they used to do sometimes. But what I like about Punky Business is it it sums up everything that is great about the goodies. It basically... Um, it takes... Uh, I'm not, you know, it takes a particular theme... And then it puts, um, and then it kind of weaves all these different story elements together. So here you've got, um, you've got elements including Cinderella, um, Rock Follies, which was um, a popular kind of um, sort of pop. It was kind of like a, I think it was about a girl group at the time. I think it had, I've got a feeling of Rula Lenski, Julie Covington, uh, someone else. I can't think. But uh, yeah, they're kind of riffing on that. It was, it was a you know big popular drama at the time on ITV, Rock Follies. And they're kind of riffing on that. And of course, they're riffing on, and they're using that to kind of send up the punk era of the time. And they bring all these different diverse elements into it, and they come up with something that is just brilliant and genuinely funny as well. <laughs> and all these clever little gags I mean at the, at the moment they've just been locked into a van you know by the police um, for you know performing in the street they just did the on the road song and they, you know even the sight gag of you know the windows in the background which is obviously so and they just see superimposing various things you know in the background somebody eating there uh, close up of a moustache and a beard and uh Crowd, somebody with glasses, and it, it's it's just very you know very clever stuff. Um, and of course they're taking the Mickey out of a punk element. And I I remember reading a um I remember reading a review which thought that the goodies were being a bit reactionary for um. Uh, for, for taking the mickey out of punk, you know, punk music. And I'm wondering today, well, actually, 
were they being reactionary? I think what they're really taking the mickey out of is the, you know, general fads and trends, which which never really kind of stand the test of time. And, of course... Uh, <laughs> you now got my... <laughs> Michael Barrett dressed up as a punk. <laughs> Michael Barrett, he used to present Urban uh, News and Nationwide, and he's, he's now dressed up as a punk and effing... Well, he's just uh, swearing, you know. I've, I've, from what I read, apparently, he, he wasn't actually swearing, I don't think. He was just coming up with... Uh, Random words which they could bleep out, but that's very funny. Um, but yes, um, yeah, I, I think the goodies were just taking the mickey out of trends. And I think the problem with trends is that they come up with all these naff kind of buzzwords and, you know, they're, you know, very right on and uh, all doing their best to be so trendy. And when it comes down to it, it's just a lot of, it's just a lot of hot air, I think. You know, not, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I do like punk music, and punk and new wave and all of that. But it is, you know, but with any trend, the buzzwords that come with it are just a load of hot air, I think. And I think really that's what the goodies are, you know, taking the mickey out of. Uh, like, <laughs> with, with Patrick Moore now dressed up as a punk. <laughs> and of course, with um, with punk, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to mention any names, but, you know, that kind of whole punk ethos was, you know, that whole attitude, it was just a little bit of a sham, really, wasn't it? You know, given that, um, like I said, not mentioning any names, one certain person just um, went on to be a Trump supporter and a Brexit supporter um, and just comes across as a reactionary old fart in many butterfingered interviews. I'm not going to go on any more about that, but you can work it out for yourself. Clues in the butter. So what we've got now is, um, is this is a Nicky take of... Um, when the the Sex Pistols and other punks appeared on the, uh, the Today program with uh, Bill Grundy, and now it's uh, <laughs> Roland McLeod's presenter is now um, now the Rebel and Tim, you know, all, Tim always the establishment, you know, character, even though he was like that in real life. He was um, he he's the um, he's the one that's sticking up for nice, clean manners. And now here he is with uh, with Jane Asher, who is playing. Caroline Cook, who's a, um, it's a play on um, a writer at the time who was called Caroline Coo, who, amongst other things, apparently influenced the Strangler's London Lady, I read. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's true or not. I don't know. But yeah, she was kind of like, you know, quite a sort of, um, she was a writer at the time, connected with the punk era. So, um, yeah, there's, there's lots of witty kind of uh, gags and puns and... Uh, and um, Graham has now come in as a, he's got in with a punk trend, and of course Tim is not. Still can't believe it. Tim is no longer with us. It's uh, it's, it's it's bittersweet reviewing old TV. It's uh, you know you, you watch these things and you think that you know all these actors and comedians and stars are gonna, they'll, they'll last forever, but alas, no. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, all all three are great in their own ways, and you know, Tim really brought that kind of you know sort of he he was great as this kind of cowardly right wing patriotic buffoon 
And he acted that brilliantly because, you know, he, he wasn't like that in real life, you know, just because, you know, I, I don't think they were actually paying themselves. I think it was just because Tim got stuck with a, a dull, double-barreled surname. So he got kind of lumbered with the sort of the, the posh idiot tag, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, he's, he, you know, he, he plays it really well. All three of them are, are great. You know, Graham Garden, I think, is... I, I don't think Graham gets enough... Um, recognition for his comic timing because he's he's genuinely funny and he's <laughs> he's just entered the whole load of spaghetti over the team <laughs> um, not the sorts but um, I think he's going to get some in a minute unfortunately yeah here we go <laughs> how, how many times did it take to um, do that with a straight face, because again, this is this is another this is another classic example of a of a program that was being recorded so close to transmission because it was according to the booklet that comes with the DVD. I'm watching the DVD, not the Blu-ray. I don't have the money for a Blu-ray, but it was recorded literally days before this was broadcast on the 29th of November 1977. They they did the location filming a little bit in advance. Um, it was. Uh, September, October, they did the location stuff. Um, but this was literally days before um, it went out. So, God, they must have been bricking it. Now, Jay Nash's character is really summing up the whole kind of, you know, the vacuous kind of um, dialogue that comes out with any trend. You know, Ackers. You know, I make a lot of Ackers when you come to your tiny senses. I realise if you dig the gig and bend with the trend, you'll make a lot of Ackers. So it's all just... It's all just puff, really, isn't it? It's just complete, complete hot air. <laughs> and, yeah, Jay, Jane Asher playing against Time, actually. She's, you know, normally gets sort of lumbered with more kind of demure, sort of innocent little, innocent little uh, girl characters with the, when she's here. She's uh, a little bit more streetwise. This is quite an unusual episode because it's. Uh, <laughs> she's trying not to laugh there. Um, yes, Graham stopped the bill down of cleavage. I'm not really sure they get away with that now. Um, they, they, I'm sure people would complain about that. But it's quite unusual because there's a lot of guest actors in this. There's a lot of familiar faces. You've got Jane Ashley, you've got Frank Thornton, you've got Patrick Moore. Um, you've, got, you've even got Vicky Michelle who would go on to be in uh, in a lower low. Uh, but yeah, there she is now. Yeah, unrecognisable actually. Also as a punk. And normally, when the goodies began, there was quite a lot of um, they would kind of like get a guest actor of the week or a guest actress of the week. And um, I suppose you know I understand probably um, I understand quite a bit why the goodies wanted to kind of do away with that kind of thing because um sometimes the guest actor would actually out you know out you know they would kind of take up all the screen time because you know they would come up with such a larger than life screen presence you know or you know they would kind of they would kind of like steal the show from the goodies so i think from like 75 76 um it, it's more about the goodies and sometimes they'd invite the guest actor or actress to come along um, but this is quite an unusual one because there's, you know, quite a lot of familiar faces. And there's <laughs> Bill with a Bill with a safety pin through his head. Again, you know, just completely setting up, you know, the whole kind of trends. 
and now they're they're kind of introducing a you know the sort of Cinderella thing because they're introducing a trendsetter's ball and it's uh and Tim is now Cinderella and it's kind of like Bill is one of the ugly sisters. Only ugly folk can go to the ball. <laughs> Bill always looks like he's trying not to laugh. Um, there's so many instances where he literally corpses live on camera. And I think that was that looked like one of them. Yeah we're, yeah, we're really getting into Cinderella because Tim is now doing the uh, the housework and, uh, you know, with a pitiful broom and a squeaky mouse and he's complaining to the mouse. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if, you know, today's audiences were really kind of... I don't, I don't know, maybe they do. I mean... Maybe they do quite like the goodies. I don't know, but it definitely has a cult following, especially in Australia. And uh, but it's a shame it doesn't it doesn't get more recognition here. You know, because um, I'm I'm not really quite sure whether they uh, they'd be able to repeat them these days because there there is so there is a, you know to be fair there is quite a, you know fair amount of. Um, Questionable dialogue, shall we say, which wouldn't pass muster, and uh, you know, occasional um, lapses in taste when it comes to stuff like race and gender and uh, that sort of thing. But again, you know, it's it's a product of its time, as I've said many a time. You know, it it is a product of its time. <laughs> Yeah, Gra Graham, uh, you know, making the most of his uh, kind of medical background. I, I think he, I've got a feeling he trained in that. And he went on to be presenter of, um, uh, I think it was called Body Matters, which was in 1986, the mid-1980s, about 1986 or something like that. Uh, here is here is Frank Thornton, uh, <laughs> better known as Captain Peacock in I.E. Being Served. And he's he's playing the... Uh, the um, the matron, no, matron D. Oh, what's the uh, no, the toastmaster of the um, the trendsetters ball or the host of the trendsetters ball, which is you know, lots of punks have uh, have gone to this trendsetters ball and uh, you know, they're sort of uh, they do the best to be all trendy and right on them. Uh, and the trendsetters ball basically um, comes up with it's kind of like a, ju um, a judge's thing, it's a little bit like new faces as well. And, they, and each act has to come up with this kind of, you know, sort of real kind of amazing. <laughs> I like to say that um, they, they just uh, pissed uh, Mickey Sage of uh, Bob Harris. Sorry, sorry about the other uh, swearing. And all, all these punks have to come up with uh, the most amazing trend. And they go, oh, amazing! <laughs> and they have to impress the judges the most, and that you know they kind of like uh, they they win the uh, the trendsetters ball. <laughs> yeah, you've you've got um, this this kind of reverend who's protesting against the pool sales of his latest album by uh, knocking his. 
Uh, he's block off. <laughs> so yeah, you got three judges: Bob Harris from Whistle Test, um, uh, the Jane Asher character Caroline Cook, and you've got John Peel. Uh, they they used to take the Mickey out of John Peel quite a bit, I think. <laughs> now I've got a guy who's dropping a ferret down his trousers. Is that James Muir? He was um, he was a regular extra on Doctor Who. He, he will pop up quite a bit. He's the guy who gets his brains out. Meanwhile, yeah, he he gets um, zapped by the um, Skagra's Steer of Doom in Sharda. Yeah, yeah, another um, unusual element of this is that there's quite a lot of music. When um, when the goodies began, there would always be, you know, kind of, it would the action would be interspersed with a lot of music. There would be Bill Oddie and Michael Gibbs, I think it was, and they would come up with these kind of like little musical interludes. They would do songs like Run and Walking the Line, that sort of thing. And they would kind of, they would pop up as, you know, kind of like part of a narrative. Uh, but they, ne they never really did that from the 1976 series. It, um, Michael Gibbs would be replaced by a guy called Dave McRae, and it would more it would be kind of like more generic music. Uh, apart from this one, which is you know a fair bit of music uh, in this, which sort of forms part of the narrative. Which, you know, in a you know an episode about punk rock, you know, it's inevitable. Are they do all these like the these little um, musical interludes as well, like what Follies used to do. Never do that. Meanwhile, and um, a couple of days later, which comes up a little bit. Yeah, Bill is now Willie Snot. Um, who, yeah, I, I don't really know how he does this, but he, he just literally goes through this mad routine where he, you know, he injures himself in the worst way that he can. And of course, you know, um, you know I think Bill has gone on record as saying that he had various uh, mental issues and I, I'm not sure if this uh, might tie in with that, actually. Yeah, yeah, this is a song, yeah. I'm in love for the very first time. Yeah, Bricks... Um, yeah, again, I'm, I'm sure modern day audiences would be horrified by this. You know, the cartoon, you know, it, it is cartoon violence. It's pure wily coyote stuff, isn't it? You know. But yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know if, um, you know, Mary Whitehouse. No, actually, no, Mary Whitehouse didn't complain about the goodies until, um, Saturday Night Fever, um, sa yeah, the Saturday Night Fever ripoff from uh, 1980, Saturday Night Grease, um, when, when Tim was, she was going on about wife rights. But amazingly, she never complained about all these various torture methods there. Maybe it was because it was broadcast, um, originally broadcast quite late at night, or at least after the kids had gone to sleep. But they, when it came to the repeats, I mean, they repeated this one twice, um, which was quite early on in the evening. And I think this is, you know, I vaguely remember watching the repeats, which is when he used to run out streaming because of uh, giant Google. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they repeated this one twice. The first was in March 1978. Uh, 
mere days before my wife was born. And then again in September 1978, um, uh, a few days before my fourth birthday. And it was, yeah, it was quite early on. So I'm surprised the old White House didn't uh, kick up the steam. Of course, they have a uh, lambasted White House in the year of gender education, which is, a, which is another classic episode. Um, incidentally, if, you, if you've never seen The Goodies, I would heartily recommend it. If, if you like that sort of wacky, cartoony humour, um, um, just, you know, with all these mad, wacky concepts, you know, you, you'd love it. And yeah, uh, uh, you know, there's the occasional Duff episode, but, you know, that it's um, the same with any uh, any episode, any, any long-running series. You know, you're not going to get 100% quality strike all the time, you know, but... More often than not, the goodies always come up with the goods. Always come up with the goodies. And I think this is one of the... Uh, this is one of my favourites, anyway. I, I don't know if um, it's a favourite of others, but but I, I really like it. I mean, we're, you know, we're well and truly into the Cinderella motif because Tim has now showed about the trendsetter's ball with a with a pumpkin on his head and it's now striking midnight and it's, uh, you know, you know very Cinderella. <laughs> I mean, he's, I, think, I think he's got a false leg or something. And they... Yeah, that's... <laughs> it's kind of reversing it, isn't it? <laughs> Couple of days later. <laughs> I like those... Uh, I like those musical interludes. Yeah, we're we're now about to uh, we're getting to the payoff and um, yeah, quite, yeah, quite quite a quite a grim ending actually. <laughs> yeah, after this series, because um, the the goodies used to get um, they were big commission, you know, you know, pretty much a regular series every year they would get an annual commission, and then after this one. Um, they would take the year off. You know, I'm, I'm not really quite sure why. I, I'm not not really sure if the powers that be at the BBC were kind of, you know, sort of uh, not so great fans of the goodies after this. But, um, yeah, actually, no, but, you know, they it, it wasn't just 1978, it was 1979. Yeah, I, I forget because they started recording in 1979 for the uh, early January series, and that would be their last so, and by then, a, a lot of what they produced in that 1980 series, it was kind of out of date because um, you've got episodes like the, the one I just mentioned, the one with uh, uh, Saturday Night Grease. I mean, that was taking the mickey out of movies that had been around two two years before. You know, um, that you know that was all the rage in 1978. You know, stuff like um, You Friend, You Friend, or UFO. You know, that was taking the mickey out of Star Wars, which again was. You know, it was kind of like two years too late. So it was kind of, um, it was kind of, yeah, a little bit out of date, really. And I, I don't know if that kind of contributed to, you know, the, the goodies leaving the BBC for ITV, where, you know, even there, it just, you know, 
it just kind of didn't really didn't really take off and it was uh it only lasted one series which was uh which was a shame but you know like brian ferry once sang nothing lasts forever does it you know um but yeah the, the yeah the, the 1977 series i think is really kind of like the uh uh, the, the, la the last great series, really, I think. I've, I think there are good ones in the 1981, but I, I don't really think they were ever quite as good again. Because you've got this one, you've got... Um, uh, Earth and Asia is a great one. Um, the um, Scout one is... is that, may, that, that is quite a funny one as well. That was on, um, that was on the video because they released um, a couple of compilation videos in the mid-90s because they that one... The Kitten Kong one and the um, Scatty Safari one was on there, which I suspect would not be uh, um, accepted today. No. And they also had another one with um, with the end, the bonfire of the OKT rooms, and uh, the the Beanstalk one as well. So they were both available in video. So you know, we've got Simi just gets the um the the hand in marriage. Um Graham just gets the top bit of Jane Asher and Bill gets the uh, the bottom half of Jane Asher. Which is <laughs> a bit warped, but you know. Oh that that that, that was that was a classic classic episode. Yeah, great episode. Yeah, always a fan of the goodies. No, I won't sing the theme tune. <laughs> Flick Colby was the choreographer. She did a lot of stuff for her. And Stuart Fell was the stunt advisor. Yeah, he was. he's another familiar figure in Doctor Who. Uh, stuntman. And Flick Colby did the choreography for Top of the Pops. Anyway, that was me uh, enjoying the goodies enormously. Um, I'll be back with another comedy classic very soon. But in the meantime, thanks for listening in. Uh, this is me, John Bensalia, signing off of a totally amazing goodies. Hope to see you again soon. Bye for now.